Hello and welcome to another episode of the Journal of Physicos podcast. My name is Dr. Andreas Voss and together with Dr. Manus Briliakis and Dr. Albert Lind, we're more than happy to have Dr. Benjamin Rotraff from the Department of Orthopedic Surgery at the University of Pittsburgh in the United States with us today. In this episode, we will talk about his recently published article titled The Anterolateral Capsule is Frequently Infrequently Damaged as Evaluated Atroscopically in Patients Undergoing Anatomic ACL Reconstructions in the Journal of Physicos. Hello, Benjamin, and thank you for your time to join our podcast. So maybe before we start, you can just tell us a few words about your clinical and scientific background. Yeah, thanks very much for having me. I'd like to first thank my co-authors, especially Thomas Rauer, who was the first author and a visiting fellow from Switzerland at the time of the study inception. Additionally, thanks to the seniors authors, Drs. Musall and uh, the late Dr. Fu. As for myself, I'm an orthopedic surgery resident at UPMC. I did my medical degree and PhD training at the University of Pittsburgh as well with my thesis work under Dr. Rocky Tuan. And then I was also a research fellow for, doctor, for Dr. Fu uh, before starting residency. Great, perfect. So how did you come up with this study? Well, with renewed interest in the anterior lateral knee over the past decade, Dr. Fu began closely inspecting the anterior lateral capsule during ACL reconstruction. He seldom observed corresponding hemorrhage in the capsule at the time of surgery. But on the other hand, Ferretti and colleagues had published studies on open exploration of the anterior lateral capsule following ACL injury, reporting hemorrhage in greater than 90% of cases. Given the discrepancy, we sought to formally determine the incidence of concomitant anterior lateral capsule injury in ACL injured knees as determined by arthroscopy and in comparison to preoperative radiography, ultrasound, and MRI. Perfect. So can you shortly explain the function of the anterolateral complex and why it is so important? Yeah, so the anterolateral complex consists of several structures of the anterolateral knee, including the superficial IT band and iliopatellar band, the deep IT band incorporating Kaplan fibers, and the knee capsule with a capsular thickening most recently called the anterolateral ligament. While it's long been recognized that the anterolateral complex is important to anterolateral rotatory knee stability, its relative contribution is compared to the ACL and the relative importance of each structure of the anterior lateral complex has only more recently started to be elucidated. At present, we know that the anterior lateral complex is a secondary stabilizer to the anterior lateral knee rotation with the ACL being the primary stabilizer. While the relative importance of each, each structure of the anterior lateral complex is still somewhat debated, we know they all play a part. Perfect, so thank you for that. So you compared x-ray versus ultrasound versus MRI in your studies. And uh, the question will be, did all your patients in your cohort get all these three kinds of examinations before surgery? So it's standard protocol for any of uh, patients of Dr. Foo's with an ACL tear to have preoperative x-ray, MRI, and ultrasound. With the ultrasound performed by one of our MSK-trained physiatrists and co-author, Dr. Kentaro Nishi. There were rare instances where one imaging modality was not available for retrospective review, but of the 117 included patients, over 90% of patients had all three imaging modalities available for review. Great, that's uh, terrific. Um, and, and how did you quantify the AL lesion or did you just look at injured versus not injured? And how did you confirm an ALC injury with X-ray as your results show that there's been an incident rate of 3%. Yeah, so the ALC injuries were scored on a three to four point ordinal scale for arthroscopy, MRI, and ultrasound. 
are MRI scale parallel scales used by other groups, which itself is similar to the ultrasound scale we developed in a past publication. The arthroscopic scale was new and included three points. Grade zero was no hemorrhage and no lesion of the capsule. Grade one was local hemorrhage, but no frank capsular tear. And grade two was hemorrhage and frank capsular tear. In performing correlative analyses across imaging modalities, we examined relationships using the full ordinal scales, that is three to four point grades, as well as independent analyses during which the injury was dichotomized, that meaning either yes or no injury. We also performed similar analyses in comparing the anterior lateral uh, capsule injury scored on imaging uh, against the pivot shift test in which the pivot shift was also dichotomized into low and high grades. Regarding the use of x-ray, uh, the Sagoon fracture essentially is uh, you know, tantamount to an ALC injury as the, uh, or excuse me, the anterior lateral ligament uh, inserts on um, the site of the Sagoon fracture. And we, according to x-ray, found a 3% incidence of, of a Sagoon fracture, but actually found a 7% incidence on ultrasound, which uh, probably correlated or corresponded to non-displaced fractures, which were better appreciated with ultrasound. Perfect. So summing up your study, what has been your most important finding? Yeah, so I'd say there's probably three main findings of this case series. First, anterior lateral complex injury as visualized as hemorrhage of the anterior lateral capsule during diagnostic arthroscopy was observed in 19% of ACL injured knees, an injury incidence which was actually significantly less than that observed on MRI at 53% or ultrasound at 63%. Second, anterior lateral complex injury incidence and severity did not significantly differ between MRI and ultrasound grading scales. And thirdly, no anterior lateral complex injury grading scale on any imaging modality meaningfully correlated with physical exam maneuvers for anterior lateral knee stability, including the Lachman, anterior drawer, and pivot shift tests. Perfect, thank you. And did your results change your clinical practice? Or let's ask another way, what clinical implications can be derived from your results? So as a resident, I can't really speak about changes in my independent practice, but for doctors Musall and Fu, the findings didn't significantly change their clinical practice, largely because they were and are very selective regarding cases in which lateral extraarticular augmentation is performed. However, these findings did confirm that any imaging modality, including MRI, ultrasound, and now an arthroscopic evaluation, do not correlate well with physical exam findings, notably high-grade pivot shift grades, for which lateral extraarticular augmentation is commonly indicated. There have been, of course, several nice studies out of North America and Europe, notably the Stability One clinical trial led by Al Getgood in Canada and the Santi group in Europe, uh, suggesting a protective effect of lateral extraarticular augmentation. However, the indications to perform these augmentations remain to be defined, and at present, this study, among other studies by different authors, would suggest that preoperative imaging may not provide clear indications. As a young surgeon, what would be your advice for a young professional in performing ACL reconstruction? As you uh, mentioned right now, um, there's a discrepancy between uh, ACL reconstruction and then considering uh, uh, reconstruction repairing the anterolateral complex. Mm -hmm. So what is your recommendation? So if I can humbly channel the advice Dr. Fu gave to me and many other young surgeons, it would be first and foremost to be anatomic in your reconstruction. Dr. Fu gave incredibly close scrutiny to the unique individual anatomy of each patient and tried to replicate the individual anatomy in placing the bone tunnels within the center of the footprint. 
and he would also match the graph size according to the size of the native, native ACL. Of course, addressing concomitant injuries like other ligaments and menisci is also very important, but at present we are still determining on whom lateral extraarticular augmentation should be performed. More broadly, Dr. Fu was fond of reminding us that the latest is not always the greatest. Broad changes in clinical practice should be preceded by rigorous and careful basic and clinical research. I have nothing to add to your answer. Um, great uh, for having you on this podcast. Thank you for your time. And uh, hopefully we'll have you back for another interview with your next publication in the Journal of Physicos. My pleasure. Thanks for having me and I hope to speak to you soon. This was Associate Professor Dr. Andreas Voss from the University Hospital of Regensburg in Germany on behalf of the Journal of Isakos. We hope to have you back for our next episode. The views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of the society or the journal.